Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're interviewing Eric McCoy and Justice Minor, the developers of Doomling's card game with the goal of scoring the most points before the end of the world. This game started as a side hobby, but it's already a runaway success on Kickstarter. Eric, Justice, welcome to the binge. How you doing? Doing pretty well. That was delayed. What do you mean? Pretty well. Because we don't like, have words. Pause. Well, I guess we're doing okay. We're smashing our goals. Ah, That's the thing. On Tuesday. We didn't prepare for, the, I mean, you know, yeah. I think Justice and I, the night before, I think I even reached out to one of the, 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 the Kickstarter groups and I was like, guys, like, what am I forgetting here? What do we do? What do we prepare for? And Justice and I are talking and we're like, okay, so we might get funded in the first week. We might not get funded in the first week. That's okay too. Uh, people might love the game. They might not so much love the game. And they might just be like, meh. We didn't expect for what happened on Tuesday at yeah. all. So let, let me just explain this to people for people that maybe are not aware, right? So you had a goal. I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars because it always sounds bigger. <laughs> All right. So you hit, uh, you had a goal of like 12,600, which I'm assuming is 10,000 US. Uh, you hit $75,000 in two days. I mean, not, not just that- like beat your goal or <laughs> like you destroyed your goal in like the first day. Yeah. Right. So that for, especially for people coming in with their very first campaign new to the industry. I mean, you guys got to be on cloud nine. Like that is incredible. Yeah. We're, we're getting yeah, no think, more than four hours of sleep a night. Sorry. Go ahead. Justice. <laughs> no, I think the I think the first thing is just the release that, um, you know, we, we, we've done our homework. We, we made sure that what we were promising and what we wanted to deliver and what our goal was, we could do like we, we were, yeah. you know, not gonna, we were, we just, we just don't over promise, but it's a relief to know that, um, we've got the funds to really make this killer. And I, I, I'm just really freaking excited for people to to open this game now, knowing that we got the support behind it. Well, sorry, we're going to get into the game in a second because I, I got some questions yeah, around no, what you're going to do with those extra funds as well. But let's yeah. start off with kind of the history. So how did you guys meet? Like, how did you guys come together? Like, wh- what's your backgrounds? So Justice and I actually went to university together. Uh, we went to Columbia College for film school. And when we both, we both moved out to Los Angeles separately of each other, yeah. And we decided independently to quit our jobs together, if that makes any sense. And we started to make commercials for a living. Um, that's kind of the only way that filmmakers can make, <laughs> pay rent, basically, is uh, if you put your, 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 your tools to, to, to evil. Now, were you guys just filming? <laughs> we should- were you writing as part of that as well? Or was it like, what did that entail? Well, we should put a little color into it because um, uh, we started actually where um, Eric had actually discovered some ways to compete in commercial contests. So oh, cool. at the time, you know, we're, we're young and no one's giving us any opportunities, but there were these commercial contests online where if you could put together your friends and shoot something, you might win a prize of, you know, $5,000. Um, yeah. Which was a lot of money. <laughs> and... 
not everyone knows how much it costs to make a commercial. Um, but to give you an idea, the industry standard is a minimum, like a low budget is like a hundred thousand dollars. And that's yeah. like, that's low budget, you know? So, yeah. so we were excited about that, but what it ended up doing was it gave us the opportunity to work with some bigger, bigger name brands. Um, you know, we worked with Lego and Listerine and Mattel and, um, and we'd pick off these wins. So we got to build this portfolio of clout, um, which eventually, you know, just gave us a background so that we could get representation and start working professionally as commercial directors. So. Yeah. For anybody that, uh, nerds out on this stuff, like I do, you should go and check out these guys real, like the commercials are awesome that you guys have done. And there's some <laughs> in there that are just absolutely hilarious. So it's cool. You can see the creative angle and I can, I can, you can see kind of how that progresses to where you are with this game, right? There's obviously this kind of creative thread through the both of you that's carried on through into this, uh, to this game. So, so you were, you were doing these commercials and then how did that leap happen from making commercials to, I want to make board games or card games? Um, so <laughs> I don't know that it was like, I want to make, you know, board games or card games. So, um, you know, Eric and I, we've been, uh, working together for going on nine years, Eric. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think so. Wow. Yeah. A long time. And, um, yeah. So, you know, and we're at a, we're at a solid place in our career, you know, where we can comfortably say we're commercial directors, right? We're real filmmakers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But when the uh, when the pandemic hit, it really did hit our industry very hard. We are um, we are live action comedy directors. So what that means is our sets can be anywhere from 100 to 150 people. So suddenly the entire industry had to rethink advertising. Now, it's coming yeah. back around. They they figured it out. We're on our way out of the pandemic. But um, that was a really tough year. We went from the prior year doing 30 commercials um, to not doing a single one until something like November. And even to date, we've done like four, <laughs> you know, yeah. That's gotta be a combination so, of uh, pandemic where you, you can't have people in close contact, right? So you have all these restrictions of, of people just physically being in locations together. Right. And then the, the flip side is you got businesses that are probably saying, Whoa, we got to scale back our, you know, one of the first things usually cut, uh, and people argue whether it's the right decision or not, but in business, often marketing dollars are the first thing that are cut uh, when you got, you know, either there's a recession or you have to tighten the, the bootstring, so to speak. So, um, you know, you got a double whammy there where people, A, can't even physically be in the same spot to do things like film a commercial. And then the other side where you've got the client side, they're saying, whoa, you know, we're going to do a commercial, but maybe we hold off doing it this year. And, you know, we allocate those funds towards just keeping our people employed maybe for this, this kind of year. Right. So those two things are kind of a double hit. It's got a really sting, you know, for people that are made, you make a living out of making commercials. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And so I think, you know, for, for Eric and me, we kind of recognize that pretty quickly. And um, Eric, I'll let you speak a little to this, but we, um, we kind of, we didn't want to stop working, you know, we're both yeah. very creative. So you know, I think it was a good opportunity to start working on script development and writing, but I know we're here to talk about a card game. Yep. <laughs> it's, so, you know, I mean, I think ahead. Justice and I do, we don't sit idle very well, yeah. you know? I mean, we don't even, like, we we started this year, like, all right, we're going to check in every day with each other at 8.30 in the morning. 
And then we just got excited about the game and it became 7.30, 6.30. And now without an alarm, Justice and I are on the phone talking at five in the morning. Wow. Day. And I don't feel yeah. it. It just, you know, my yeah. body needs six hours and that's what it gets. And then we're rocking and rolling. So, yeah. So this, this game took how long? So from kind of Janet, so how, because the game was developed, I guess, on the side, right? So Justice, you yes. are saying you did this with your brother or something? What, what kind of happened? Yeah. There? So over Christmas, um, this is pre-pandemic, Eric yeah. and I had come off of actually a pretty good year. And over Christmas, my brother and I, we were playing card games with our family, um, with our cousins. And, um, you know, uh, Andrew, my brother, is always bringing these, like, uh, weird, unique games that um, most people haven't heard of, right? But um, And then I'm always excited about those, but our family doesn't pick up on those quite as well, right? They want to be playing games a little more like Exploding Kittens or Guillotine and Sushi Go. Yeah. Love those games. It's great, but I can only play so many of those. Yeah. So Andrew and I really wanted to develop something that had just as much accessibility, just as you know, I could pull you in just as much in like something my wife would play with me, um, but would keep me coming back, you know, would keep my brother and I coming back. Something we can knock out in 20, 30 minutes and feel like, man, I, I want to sink my teeth into another round or two of those. Yeah. So just for fun, we sat down and we were just scribbling in a notebook. And, um, you know, Eric and I are the story guys. So this is where, right, <laughs> we always come from. My brother's the rules lawyer. And I, and I said, well, why don't we, why don't we pick the theme first? So um, I, I've been going through some nights of existential dread. Why don't we make it about the end, end of the world? And Andrew said, okay, I like that. I like that. And I said, or what if it's uh, a super happy, fun time fish aquarium? And Andrew said, not as good. We're going to go with the end of the world. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, so we developed it over Christmas and it was just this little passion project, you know, back in, you know, he's in Iowa, I'm in California, just a back and forth, just this idea. And then, yeah, come February, you start hearing about the pandemic and come March, that's when it hits. Eric and I aren't getting any work. And it's, it's really like I had, it's more like I just had nothing else to keep me occupied. Um, you know, it's it's ironic because this game about the end of the world was what kept us from worrying about the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, there were some months over the summer there where like, you know, we live in Los Angeles and there was a weekend when there were nonstop police sirens because they couldn't put the police cars out because they were burning and mm. it was, it just was not in control. There were yeah. instances where, especially when the first people we knew were getting COVID where yeah. we were just like, where do like, what do we do now? When do I see my friends again? You know? And we yeah. just kept yeah. coming back to this game that was like, well, we got to work on this now. We got to work on the, you know, what's, what's the deal with these traits? What's going on with this rule? You know? Yeah. And, and it just kept us working. It kept us uh, processing and, and, and really, building and and i i think it's just it kind of speaks to the human condition that like if you have something to be creative uh with and be creative about uh you can get through anything yeah you really can yeah it's one of those things yeah. is like when you see people that are you know grieving for instance you know going to clean mode and they have to clean everything right and they'll, they'll clean their whole house yeah. and renovate things like that and I kind of equate to that, right, is when you have a situation where 
you, you don't have the ability to go out and see everyone you're used to seeing. You got to do something, right? You can't just sit in front of a TV and watch 24 seven news about how bad things are. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to create yeah. creators got to create. Right. So it's cool that you guys took um, your creativity and funneled it into something like this. That's obviously turned out to be something pretty, uh, pretty special. So let's actually talk about the game. Can you walk us through how to play this game? I've got a, a, a the general idea of how to play it, but I kind of want to hear from you guys. I'm going to share my screen for people who are actually watching live or watch the, uh, the YouTube afterwards, but walk us through how do you play this game yeah um so uh i before i get mechanics i do want to point out the whole the whole thing about this is yes it's the end of the world but that's not our focus um so one of our main developers uh chris fela who actually has been on with us since the very beginning um he has always pushed and reminded us Yes, it's about the end of the world, but this needs to be fun. It needs to feel happy. It's very That's colorful. The focus. So, yeah. yes, yes. And, you know, our whole perspective on it is when you're playing the game, we don't actually want you worrying about the end of the world. So the, the end of the world will come. The game will come to an end. Um, in, our, in our game, we have it's set up where we have these. I'll talk about that in a second. But there is an actual end of the game. The player doesn't end that. The world does come to an end. But the way it's designed uh, for gameplay, you're not thinking about the end of the world. You're actually thinking about your turn. Just what are the other players doing? What are you doing right now in this mm -hmm. moment uh, of time? So the way it works is we have three types of cards. We have these ages um, just, just above there. Yep. So mm -hmm. these are like rounds. And this is um, what guides the game. So at the beginning of each round, we flip an age card. It'll have a little, just a little effect rule, sometimes these uh, bonuses um, that everyone follows. And then everybody goes around taking a turn. The way you take a turn is you play trait cards. This is our second type of card. So if you scroll back up, we can see um, these cute little critters. These are our doomlings. <laughs> and um, all doomlings are worth points. They come in one of four colors or colorless. So we have red, green, blue, and purple are colorless. And each one, so they're worth points, and then they have these effects, bonuses, uh, player interaction. This is actually how you, you know, steal from other opponents, swap or uh, draw more cards or score additional points. So we go around, and everybody gets to play one trait, um, and then it's actually that simple. And we flip another age. It's a new round, and then we play another trait. Uh, where the object of the game is to score. Sorry to cut you off. The, the object of the game yeah. is to score the most points by the yeah. end of the world. So the underworld is better. kind of like random though, right? Like not random, random, but it it will trigger at some point you're not quite certain. So you got to still kind of be strategically planning your points out where you might be going for a certain number of points. But I mean, if you wait too long, maybe for a certain thing, you, you, you might wait too long, I guess, because the action, the end could trigger, That's, right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. So within the ages, which are our rounds, we we bury three catastrophes in yeah. a game of, in in a deck of doomlings. Um, you actually um, you get a bunch more than three catastrophes, but each setup only uses three. You never know what they are, and we have a special kind of layout. It's actually for anyone who's played Pandemic, we use something very familiar to Pandemic setup, but yeah. ensure it ensures that the catastrophes will never come all at once. And all players will play a minimum of nine rounds and a maximum of 13 rounds. So 
for people who have played multiple times, they start to get familiar with that and they realize, oh, uh, we just we just finished this kind of like set of cards. Yeah. That catastrophe, I got a one in four chance now. So I, I better be playing the cards I want to play. Reminds me um, of, uh, so uh, this is one of the things I thought of when uh, when I was kind of reading up on the game was, was that mechanic, was the kind of the pandemic mechanic. One of my favorite games is Pandemic uh, Contagion. So the one that's not co-op. <laughs> yeah. The one where you're trying to affect yeah. the world and be the most uh, uh, viral uh, virus out there, right? So <laughs> yeah. remind me, it's had yeah. some flavors of that, which I thought was pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, wh- what we've done our best to, is um, kind of pay uh, pay homage, homage to some of our, of our favorite sort of more familiar mechanics so that, again, this isn't an intimidating game but you know, more hardcore seasoned gamers are going to recognize some familiar concepts, um, but done in a in a kind of a clever twist. And then newer players aren't going to be turned off by like all this language they have to learn. It's very s- distilled down and accessible. But and then finally, um, the final card that we have. This is a special mechanic. I haven't actually seen this before, but is I was hesitating pool? to call any. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Was yeah. So. You know, the whole sell of our game for me is that it's a card game. We have no components. But in Doomlings, your hand is actually called your gene pool. So the size of your hand can increase or decrease as the game goes on. Catastrophes often decrease your your, um, gene pool, the size of your hand. Traits can build them back up. Some will have bonuses to your gene pool size. So to keep track of it, we have this clever little counter card. It just flips and rotates. It's a it's a counter card with one, two, three, four on one side and five, six, seven, eight on the other side. So as as the game progresses, each player's gene pool independently can increase or decrease, giving you more or fewer options. And thematically, it's kind of like your doomling species. As we're getting closer to the end of the world, your gene pool is shrinking and you have fewer <laughs> options of, you know, yeah. of dom- of world dominance. So so how'd you come up with that? Because when I saw that mechanic, I was like, that is that's clever, right? Because there's no more trying to, okay, well, am I supposed to, is this round supposed to be four cards I can have or five cards? Like it's right in front of you. You got the card, the marker right there. Is Did it just kind of pop into your head one day or when did this come? Was it always there from the beginning or is it something you kind of developed along the way? So that was definitely, the mechanic itself was in Germany when I was working on it with my brother, Andrew. Um, Andrew is our rules lawyer. That guy, he just, he's got a, he's got a special gift for coming up with these things. But I, I will say uh, that's one of those things where Andrew and I were collaborating so closely. Like, I don't really remember at this point what the process was, but I remember the fun of just throwing words out there and themes and concepts and what we wanted the players to be experiencing. We didn't want them to just draw a card and move on. You know, we wanted to give these other kind of, and so I feel like we do need to explain it. So the way it works is you don't start a turn by drawing a card. You start a turn with however many cards in your hand there are. And then when you play a, when you play a trait from your hand, um, you end your turn by stabilizing. So you look at your gene pool. If your gene pool is five, but you're holding four cards, you have to stabilize to five. So you're drawing a card. If you're holding six cards at the end of your turn and your gene pool is five, you have to discard. Um, and I think, yeah, Andrew and I just, we wanted to find a new way in a, in a pretty simple game for the card cycle, the deck cycling experience. Yeah. So. That's cool. 
And so when you, when you guys were developing this, was there a lot of like, it was a tabletop simulator or what, how did you guys test it when you're all in these different remote locations, your brother is, you know, in another state. And so how did, how did you guys do that? So we had to, um, you know, we had to first share a, I mean, this is like spreadsheet. Everyone does spread, you know, a, a Google spreadsheet. So we could actually look at these things because it's something we should point out. Every single card in this game is different. We have no copies. There? There's, in the base game, we will have more than 150. It's tough because stretch goals will we'll be able to do a few more. Um, but there's definitely more than 150 in the base game. But the the gold game is 240 or more. So and these um, are unique cards. There are no yeah. duplicates. There are yeah. no fillers. Every single one of them, Justice has designed by yeah. hand personally. I feel bad uh, for the copy reviewer on that one. My God. <laughs> <laughs> it's us it's us you were looking don't want to get copy the... blind guys <laughs> yeah, yeah holy smokes that's a lot of cards that's cool though i yeah. think there's the value there too right so when people are thinking ah oh, it's just a card game well it's not just a card game it is yeah. a whole lot of cards right and it's a lot of unique yeah. art pieces and um you know just how thematically this all comes together i i, I love the it's the end of the world but it's very colorful right so yeah. you got this yeah. game about the end of the world, but there's optimism almost kind of embedded into it too, which is kind of funny. And one of our, so one of our banner cards is um, we have these cards called dominant traits. They're special because they're more powerful. They're rare. They're only, you know, a, a couple in the game and players can only play two in any game. But our banner trait is um, called optimistic nihilism. So, <laughs> you know, it's just this happy doomling kind of embracing the end of the world. And, you know, the, the idea is like, look, you know, if not, if nothing matters, maybe that's not such a bad thing either. Maybe we can take the pressure off for yeah. a moment and just, you know, accept it. But and you can't get rid of those um, cards, to, I think, too, right? Like those ones are. Did I read somewhere they're stuck to you once you? Correct. Yeah. So. Again, right? Yeah. 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 So the idea is just, you know, they're stronger. We want to incentivize you to play them. Once you select them, you can kind of anchor your strategy around them too, yeah. if you want. Um, so players can't mess with me. You can't steal them. And, and on that note, you know, different colors of traits have different characteristics. Mm. So, for instance, uh, red traits are much more aggressive and they are much more higher risk, higher reward, whereas purple traits are a lot more mischievous. And you can get like little flavors of take that, not aggressively, but it's there. there's a lot of that kind of fun as well. It's a couple cards that allow you to play traits into opponents trait piles so if you've got a negative trait in your hand yeah you can play it into their pile and reduce their score there are some where if you've got a poor hand it will actually allow you to swap hands with people well, thank you, god purple's like my personal favorite <laughs> i i love mischief that's just kind of me um yeah. you know and then I, yeah but i think what's 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 kind of fun about that is, is there's like a little bit more beyond your kind of first surface level play for it um we kind of took this kind of like almost like a pixar approach where there's something for kind of your first timer your kids your your sort of entry level gamers and then there's something for like the grown-ups who play games every other day oh that's cool so you guys hit a fairly big target out of the gate so marketing has obviously been a big uh component of your success i would say going into this campaign um, I know on your page, you talk a lot about them, but I'd love if we could just to jump into some of the partners you've kind of outlined on your page. So, you know, off the top, uh, I know that you've got, uh, Nook, I think is your, uh, does like kind of pre-marketing for you. 
uh, gel up, which is a social media amplification company. We've talked to others on the, on the, on the binge in the past backer kits, another one, for example, they will help manage the, the, the Facebook ads, the Google ads and so forth to help amplify it. Right. Cause you have a whole team doing that, which allows you to focus your time on doing things like podcasts and so forth. Um, ad magic, I guess is where you guys are having these printed. Correct. In the USA. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, Shipmunk. What's Shipmunk? I, this is the first I've seen Shipmunk. Maybe I'm just new, but Ship, Shipmunk's a fulfillment center. They are, um, they're actually like a perfect size for us. You know, they're yeah. not this, they're not, I mean, the way they put it is they're not like a 4 million square foot warehouse, but like, I just got to tour personally in San Bernardino. They're 90,000 square foot. And I was, I was like, Oh, this isn't big. Okay. What do I know? I guess. You got to um, see the photo but, of this guy. He's just like, it's so huge. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're great because they can offer us um, competitive, competitive prices. Um, but they also are not so big that they won't, that like they're holding our hand through this. Like they're, they're That's answering cool. our calls every day. Like they really care about this project and they're cheering us on as well. Um, but it, you know, we, to the marketing, I was hoping Eric, if you want to yeah. give a shout out to our social team and talk a little well, about so, that. I mean, yeah, at the ground floor, even before Nuke and Jellup, like we brought on three amazing social media managers. Nice. Um, you know, it's, it's really incredible, but like, so, uh, Christine Petrovich, um, James, uh, Freeman, uh, and then Patrick Jones. Did I get that right? Jones? I'm yeah, you got it. You got it. Jesus yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Patrick You're on the Jones. spot, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but so, you know, we made the conscious choice not to hire social media managers who happen to do games, but to hire gamers and table or tabletop gamers who can do social media. Got it. And so they've been instrumental in helping us avoid landmines and also guiding us into the right places for doing podcasts, right? Doing, yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, live streams, things like that. We, we do a fun little uh, uh, live stream every Sunday where we play other people's games on oh, board cool. game arena. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe that's marketing. Maybe that's just us having a good time. Like it's kind of a blurred line, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but that is kind of our core, right? That's how I wake up every morning. I go on Slack and see whatever yeah. meme Jim has post, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's kind of a beautiful little core there. Um, and so that was well, kind of the, the basis of it. And I, it's, it's important to highlight, like we, you know, we talk to him every day. And this whole game, we've been getting, we get feedback. We listen to everybody, all our play testers, all our reviewers. And we try to just throw it in a pot and take the best of what we're able to, sure. you know, but, um, but our social media team, they help us navigate that. Cause you know, we'll start to do something like guys, this is not as cool as you think it is, or, Hey, you know, <laughs> this, this, you're on the right track here. And I think as a gamer myself, you know, and that's how they'll mm -hmm. talk to us sometimes is like, this is something I would enjoy. And that means I mean, a lot more than trying to guess so you created an advisory board basically right so you got yeah. your social well, media managers but they're your advisory board at the same time and yeah. and some of them yeah. have backed over a hundred kickstarters so wow. they they've really they've seen the arena they understand the landscape and you know again they've helped us avoid a lot of pitfalls there's also another advisor who we should absolutely give a shout out to um, his name's gregory frank 
And Greg, we met him through a, a mutual friend who connected us. And, and Greg has, has overseen or consulted on more than 125 successful Kickstarters in his career. Wow. And yeah. he, he prepared us. I mean, I, don't, I still don't know why this guy is taking our calls. <laughs> uh, you know, he has really shown us kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I think knowing what to expect, Hey guys, you are going to be completely overwhelmed day one. Just make sure every day you take an hour to just, you know, turn your phones off and just breathe. Right. Getting that advice. You're like, that's really helpful long-term, right? Don't forget to eat little things like that, that have nothing to do with gaming, but because they've been there, they can tell like, Hey, you're about to enter some, some deep waters here. Let's just be ready for them. Um, yeah. So is this going to be one game or is there more coming? Like, is there plans? Now, obviously this has been successful. Who knows where you're going to land, but it's going to be significantly higher than where you are right now. Um, what, what's your plans going forward? Are, are you guys going to form a gaming company or kind of where do you go? So uh, like everything on this project, we're taking it one step at a time. We're focusing on the here and now. Uh, when we started out, we were really just thinking, let's get a game on our shelves. And then we were like, well, we yeah. need some artwork. Let's get some artwork for the game. And now we're now we're like, then, then we were like, well, let's get a Kickstarter. And now we're looking at it and we're saying, let's just make sure we have a solid game for our, our backers. Like, you know, we want everybody to feel like they're opening something special. Eric, what were you going to say? I, I want to clarify when he says, <laughs> let's get a game on our shelves. He literally means let's design a game for Justice's shelf, Andrew's shelf. And maybe Eric's shelf, if we can afford an extra prototype. This was not like a game on like a few people's shelves. It was a thing some of us could play and we'd not really tell anybody else. That's what this yeah. could have been, were it not for like Greg and a couple of the other folks yeah. were mentioning. Like, Chris and yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So for, for us, we, we definitely have our eye on you know, we're, we're looking in how to move into e-commerce, how to work with brick and mortar uh, retail stores. Um, but our focus is Doomlings. Um, we've kicked around some ideas for how we could do lightning round Doomlings. We've heard some, from some reviewers how they think it'd be cool if there was a way to play multiple cards at a time as well. It, it, it transforms the game. So hmm. there might be a spin off of that. You know, there's a, there's a board game sequel I think would be amazing. Um, where uh, I don't want to give away the the goods here, but we we have some ideas for that. We're not looking to blow to just blow up into now a, a card game or board game company. We want to make this product amazing, and we want it someday to to be on now a retail shelf somewhere where just some stranger can walk in, see some pretty colors for the end of the world, and say, "Yeah, I bet <laughs> I'd have a good time playing that." And I, I think that's where we'd like to get to after this Kickstarter. Well, certainly I will I'd... say also there, there are also expansion packs that are built into mm -hmm. some of the tiers that are available on the Kickstarter. There's a Dinolings, which is like a, you know, prehistoric Doomlings. Uh, there's a Mythlings, which is much more of your kind of fantasy Doomlings. Um, there's a Techlings, which is more of your like bionic kind of fusion uh, uh, Doomlings. And then we also do have like dual colored and advanced mechanics, which allow you to do like hidden player objectives. Oh, so cool. these are all kind of sm your smaller booster packs. So we have already begun to branch out within this world, but right now we are still focusing on the Doomlings universe. Well, I can say I have zero doubt that this will be on a, 
uh, retail shelf somewhere <laughs> in the uh, not short term uh, first <laughs> uh, future. So, uh, guys, you've done amazing. Congrats so far. How best do people follow along? So, if they want to follow this journey or be kind of part of the Doomlings world, is there a social media account they can follow, or how best do they? Do yeah, that? honestly, the most fun social media account. I would not. I'm I'm supposed to plug our Facebook page. Join the <laughs> Doomlings community group. People are posting like right now. There is this. We, we did this thing where we we're like post photos of your pets with like the hashtag My Little Doomling. It's nice. kind of a take on like My Little Pony. Um, you know, we are constantly laughing at the new memes. Someone made us cookies, and they were like Doomlings cookies. So you can see photos of that in the community. I mean, it's it. it, it some of it has to do with Doomlings because the campaign's happening right now. But yeah. like in the months leading up to it, it had nothing to do with Doomlings. And I'm sure that when the campaign's over, it will go back to like funny board game memes. So, so how do they do that? How do they join this community? Is it on like a Instagram Facebook, page? Or? It's on Facebook. It's a Facebook uh, group. It's called okay. the Doomlings community. Got it. And we just hit like 1500 members. Oh, like, wow. It's, it's getting a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not but uh, yeah, honestly, I think that's the most fun. I mean, Obviously, we have our Kickstarter campaign, which we're, you know, day three of. Yeah. Um, we've already, Justice, remind me now, how many stretch, we've hit a lot of stretch goals, or, or not a lot of, we've hit a lot of unlocked tokens and trophies. We've got this, like, trophy road where if yep. anyone's, like, familiar with, like, Pokemon. Like, I mean, we could we could definitely talk about the details for hours, <laughs> but, uh, but how do they follow us, Eric? How do they follow us? <laughs> we are on Instagram, if you like, Inst if you prefer Instagram. And actually, yep. what's cool about Instagram, I will say this. We're doing this thing called the captain's log. So every day throughout the campaign, we have an audio dispatch from the planet and where there is a captain who's just landed on the doomlings planet. And so she's sending these dispatches back to our Instagram. It's also at every Friday being posted on board game geek in a forum. Oh, so there's a, a great captain's log that's happening. And if you miss the first three episodes of the, captain's log they're in a highlight that you can just click through and listen to on the instagram and that is doomlings game Perfect. on instagram now if anybody actually wants to back the campaign i'm going to put the link to the kickstarter uh, campaign in the show notes so whether you're listening on the audio podcast or if you're watching this on the on the youtube playback or even on our uh, on our facebook uh, group page uh it'll be on all of those gentlemen all the best to you guys you guys are doing amazing i can't wait to see where this lands and I quite, I hope you stay in the industry because I mean you've created something really special here. So I I hope there's another creation that comes uh, after the dust is settled on this one. That, that would be Thanks awesome, lot, James. It's 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 so cool to be here. I mean, just even being interviewed. Thank you. This is really oh no cool. worries. You guys take care. Cheers. You too. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.